Episode 14, The Curse That Led to a Blessing. For your reference, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 45 through 46. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder and on your descendants forever. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Isaiah chapter 61 Verse 3, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So we have been really dealing with unpacking our boxes. We've been dealing with um, really doing some self-reflection and Um, really looking inside of ourselves for those uncomfortable and broken places and spaces in an effort to surrender our hurt, our pain, our trauma, and our traumatic experiences to the Lord so that he can fulfill his word as he told us that he has come to heal the brokenhearted. He has come to proclaim liberty to the captives. He has come to to, uh, heal, deliver, and set us free. And as we've been doing so, um, we have, of course, dealt with situations and circumstances, things that we have experienced at the hands of others, not necessarily due to choices and decisions that we make. And sometimes we find we we wonder why we seem to just have such, um, as people would say, bad luck or why it seems like nothing is ever working out for us or nothing is ever going right. Um we really need to understand that even though uh, scripture has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, we still need the Old Testament as a reference. Sometimes the things that are taking place in our life is due to things that have happened before we, um, as the Lord told Jeremiah, before we were even formed in our mother's womb, before we were ever even conceived. Sometimes the things that are happening to us or things that we seem to be experiencing are due to generational curses. Um, I read the, the Deuteronomy scripture where it talked about, it was um, basically the Lord was laying out for the children of Israel that if they were disobedient, if they did not obey him, that he was cursing everything. I mean, he laid it, he laid it out. He was cursing the animals. He was cursing family. He was saying, if you take a wife, somebody's going to lay with her. Basically things that nowadays we would call like a string of bad luck. Um, we really need to look biblically and scripturally because it could be due to uh, generational curses. And so our guest today is here to talk about how um, she believes general, generational curses have played a part, a role in her life and how they actually have led her to where she is today. And um, even though many would look at her situation and say, um, you know, wow, like it's it's hopeless or it's, you know, it's horrible or it's miserable. Um, 
I would like to believe just from conversation that she feels like she's in a really great place. And so that's why the title of this episode is The Curse That Led to a Blessing, because as Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 says that what the enemy means for evil, God can take it and work it for your good. So India Porter is an author from Detroit, Michigan. Um, She is a Detroit girl, just like myself, Um, a girl in a real life situation. She has served 18 years in a Michigan state prison. She's conquered battles that stem from parental mental illness, the school to prison pipeline issues, um, negative self-doubt and sexual exploitation. Um, She's been through a lot and has a mighty testimony to share. She definitely is a warrior. So India, we welcome you to Broken Places and Broken Spaces. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. And just in the interest of your time and and how, you know, we've already discussed, I want you to just go ahead and jump right in and um, share your testimony. Um, I just want to open up by saying, like, when people, when you say blessed, a lot of times people think material blessings or tangible, Absolutely. you know, rewards. Yes. And the biggest takeaway that I can take from my whole experience with having a relationship with God is that ultimately he showed me that the biggest blessing of it all is to know him. Yes. Yes. Come on now. (laughs) And to me, that has been the biggest reward. That's like the most rewarding thing ever. Absolutely. And, you know, in spite if I'm in here, if I'm out there, if I don't have him, you know, I don't have anything, you know? Yes. But um, just leading up to get into this place, um, you know, I grew up in a household, you know, my mom has, paranoid schizophrenia since I was four years old. My dad was on drugs for the majority of my life. And I just grew up in a household where, looking back on everything, it was just a lot of darkness in my household. I didn't grow up with a strong faith or family of believers. Um, My grandmother is half Jewish, half black, and they were disowned by her mother's family for having biracial children or whatever. My great-grandmother was um, 100% Jewish. She was born in Russia. She came to America when she was four years old, and she was disowned by her family for having African-American children or whatever. And um, it was just a lot of darkness in my household growing up. And um, I can just remember a lot of times feeling like I didn't fit in with my family Yes, I can yes. remember feeling that, like, I was, quote, unquote, the black sheep. Mm-hmm. And I just always knew that I was, like, different from everybody else in a sense. Like, I don't know, I just felt, like, really separate. And mm-hmm. I know I am my mom's youngest child. I'm eight years younger than my next sibling. My sister, she's eight years older than me, and then my brother's okay. 12 years older than me. So okay. I kind of sort of grew up as an only child, right. but with siblings, because by the time I was, you know born my sister was like old enough to like go on by her own so and during this time like when I'm four years old my mom is having mental health issues or whatever and Mm -hmm. you know I'm a little child so I really don't know what's going on but I know that there's something going on right and I could just remember um you know my mom would take her medication and she would be sleeping like six o'clock in the evening I would be at home by myself and I could just remember having like this deep sense of loneliness just in the house and just this great imagination where I would just like make up games and just like play by myself and just kind of keep myself preoccupied because I was just like always by myself and um my family was just like basically like every man for themselves or whatever and Mm -hmm. so um, my mom would have these mental health cycles where, 
Mm-hmm. She would get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, my family would put her in the hospital. She would get out. She would mm-hmm. take her medication, and she would be fine for a little while, and then think that she's okay right. without taking her medication, and then get sick all over again. Right. So it would be a constant cycle. And I can remember, you know, like, my mom would get sick and then she would be at the hospital and then other family members would be getting me dressed and getting me to, to school in the morning. And I'm, like, wondering, like, you know, where's my mom? And they're like, right. oh, your mom is sick. And sick, I'm thinking, okay, when you think right. sick, you think, okay, Absolutely. maybe my mom, um, a stomach ache or something like that, never thinking, like, okay, my mom has, you know, serious mental health issues or right. whatever. And I can remember when I was 11 years old, my mom had a really bad episode, mm-hmm. and um, I was living in the house along with her. My sister had left the house, and it was just me and my mom there, mm-hmm. and um, we were lying in the bed together, and my mom was just telling me, like, you know, people were out to get her, Jesus. certain family members was out to get her. She believed, like, it was a conspiracy, and, you know, I'm only 11 years old, so, you know, you take your parents' word as face value as truth, you Absolutely. know, like... You're not thinking like, okay, my mom is mentally ill. Nobody in my family is telling me like, you know, your mom is mentally ill. Right. So she's telling me these things and I'm looking at my family like, okay, are are y'all out to get her or whatever? Right. And she would just like exhibit these weird behaviors and it just got to the point like where she would cut all her hair off. She wouldn't eat food because she thought people were poisoning her and she would lose weight. And so at this time, um, if I could name what I felt, it would be depressed. Okay. I had a really great sense of depression happening at a very young age because I was left by myself. I didn't have my mom. My family, like I said, was just like every man for themselves. So I was just like really left to my own devices. Mm -hmm. And I was like in the seventh grade. And I remember going to school. I wasn't dressed properly. Like my hair had started falling out because my mom wasn't taking care of it. And I remember getting bullied. Mm-hmm. by some of the right. kids at school right. or whatever Jesus. and just like you know on top of everything that had been going on at home um but my grandma was really really vocal about not wanting to take in a preteen right she had raised her kids and she really didn't want to be bothered so Jesus. my mom ended up going to the hospital and i was living with my grandmother or whatever and we clashed a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i started running away Mm-hmm. because I felt like I wasn't wanted or welcome at my grandmother's house. And I right. ran away to my best friend's house. Mm-hmm. And my best friend, her house was the type of house, and being from Detroit, I know you know what I mean. Absolutely. So they were <laughs> stair-step siblings. Uh-huh. And her mom was like the type of mom, she partied every night. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the older kids watched the younger kids. Right. So the younger kids would be you know, their friends, and then the older kids, their friends, so it'll be a house full of teenagers, preteens, right. just running wild, doing whatever they want to do, because mama at the club. Right. And so, this is where I ended up, you know, running away to a lot, and I spent out of her house one day, and she had a lot of cousins, and we had a big pallet on the floor, just having this big slumber party, and her brother slept next to me, mm-hmm. never thinking nothing of it, you know, my mom never told me, if somebody touches you this way, or somebody right. does this to you, like, you know, you tell an adult, I'm just, like, oblivious. Right. Jesus. And I remember spending the night, and he started touching me in an inappropriate way. Mm-hmm. And it was alarming, but at the same time, it was just like, okay, like, I mean, I, I welcomed it, and he was a lot older than me. So mm-hmm. I didn't know how to take it at that time. A right. part of me was just like, felt wanted, felt right, like, yes. okay, it must yep. be something special yes. about me. This yes. older mm-hmm. guy is giving me some attention, yes. it, it's inappropriate, Jesus. but hey. You know, like, I'm not getting the attention and the love at home that I want, so yes. I'll take it. In the name of Jesus. And so um, things happened, 
that night or whatever, and I never told anybody. I kind of stuffed it down, never mm-hmm. mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember being Jesus. on the phone with one of my best friends, and I was telling her, like, you know, I spent the night over my friend's house, and her brother did this and this to me. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what? And mm-hmm. she hung the phone up. And I'm like, well, that was weird. So she called me back, like, a minute later. She was like, so tell me what you did, what happened again. And so I went into detail telling her, mm-hmm. and she had the person who had done this to me on the three-way phone call. Jesus. And he was like, you lying and this and that. And so I hung the phone up because I was afraid because it's a right. grown man. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm doing something wrong. Right. Like, I can't tell my family what happened. I can't right. tell my friends. I, so I stuffed it. Jesus. And um, I just stuffed it. And then probably before the end of the year, I ended up losing my virginity to this guy. Mm-hmm. And um, that began a very dysfunctional relationship because here I am. I'm in the seventh grade and he's like 20. Jesus. And I can remember after the first time of him having sex with me, going back to school and feeling like I didn't fit in with my friends anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't know what I'm doing when I leave here. Right. And it's like, I'm not a little girl no more. Right. I'm right. not old enough to be doing this, but I'm too young to be doing what I used to do. So there was a lot of just confusion going on right. on the inside of me. And it's just something about when a girl is touched yes. before the time. Right. It just sets off so yes. many different things yes and so um here i am in this situation i'm going through all of these things at home right Jesus. i just was just oh my god i just it was just an accumulation of just like one trauma on top of the other right, right. and um at this time i had like a blowout like with my grandma she was just like you know i can't deal with this mm-hmm. and so i just left and i was living on the streets jesus um, by the time I was in the eighth grade, I was just, like, basically homeless, just, like, living with whatever friend that would let me spend a night over their house. Mm-hmm. Um, my first boyfriend, he sold drugs, so, you know, I was spending a lot of time with him in the drug house, spending Jesus. the night sleeping there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, I had went to Vista Maria Girl for Home, girls, Home for Girls. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up leaving because it was just like, okay, I could at least go to my boyfriend's house and I can smoke some weed and I could just do whatever I want to do. Right. And one of my best friends at the time, her and I went to her god sister's house. And her god sister allowed us to stay there in exchange for babysitting her kids. Mm-hmm. And we would babysit for her at nighttime while she went out. And, you know, I always was like a really good dancer. And I remember just... You know, being up, just a little teenager, just dancing around her house. And she's like, you know, you really can dance or whatever. And she's like, you know, you're a pretty girl. And you just out here like this. She's like, you know, you really need to start using what you get to get what you want out here. And I'm like, okay, you know, what do that that mean? Mm -hmm. She's like, you know, I can take you with me and you can make some money dancing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like really she like yeah we're gonna go to this club this after hour club and you know i'm gonna get you in and we're gonna you're gonna make some money mm-hmm. and she took me to this after hour club on the east side of detroit and i was stripping at this after hour club be- before i had even made it to high school jesus and that started um a long line of just being involved in the sex industry so this behavior was ingrained in me at such a young age, and I was successful at it because I ended up getting enough money to buy clothes, to buy shoes, mm-hmm. to get the things that I needed because I was out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it worked. I used what I had to get what I needed. And so that Jesus. just developed a whole lot of different mindsets 
and just behaviors oh, and just, Jesus. I mean, other traumas, you right, know, just right. being out there like that. Mm-hmm. And I believe like that opened the door to us. You have one minute remaining. Soul ties are a real thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so that just like really led to a really bad cycle. And from there, I could just remember being so angry all the time and just, I had to put on this facade. I had to be strong. I had to be right. proud of who I was because everything around me and everybody around me was tearing me down right. and talking about how much of a mess up I was. So I had to have this arrogance and this pride and just like, you know, to tell myself, like, you know, you're okay. Right. Like, no matter what nobody else say, you got money in your pocket, you taking care of yourself, forget what everybody else saying, you got to do what you got to do. So as I stated, um, this episode is a little different because of obviously, as you can tell, um, our guest is still serving time in a Michigan state women's prison. And so her phone calls, um, of course are limited to, um, certain increments of time. And then, you know, basically I have to wait another increment of time before she can call me back. And so what I told her was, um, you know, whenever I have a guest on, um, I mean, even though this is something that I have never experienced before, I can't even explain to you how amazing it feels because to hear the the things that she was saying about her experiences is exactly what uh, God woke me up one night in the middle of the night and showed me. I mean, literally like before my eyes showed me and then really began to deal with me about this podcast where, um, you know, there are women walking around who have experienced, I mean, the gamut of trauma right where um and and you know of course we've always heard it said that someone is worse off than you where the things that we've gone through for us are the worst thing can be sometimes or feel sometimes like the worst thing ever and it it is not minimizing the next person or or the next person's situation shouldn't minimize yours but listening to her is just proof of excuse me the idea that um, we, women are walking around with so much baggage and so much trauma that to look at them, unless you were to sit down and talk with them, you would never know. You would never in a million years believe, um, some of the things that women have experienced, things that they have endured, things that went on in their childhood. My God. I mean, just as I was listening to her and like I said, as I was taking these notes, I mean, she, she had been through things before she, I mean, my, my, um, my oldest daughter is a freshman in high school. And just to think the things that, um, India has experienced even before she hits freshman year of high school, um, you know, thank you, Jesus, for a covering that we can't see. And this is why a relationship with him is so important. Um, she started off talking about how, when we think about blessings, I, we, you know, there's always, uh, you know, um, word associations. And so when we hear blessings, um, most of us automatically begin to think of, like she said, the material or the tangible, nice house, nice car, money in the bank, um, you know, being able to travel and go where you want or buy what you want or wear what you want. When there are things that are, that are bigger than that, that we oftentimes take for granted. And so the the thing she said was the ability, amen, to have a relationship with God. Um, we need to understand that um, as, as the Gentile people, as God opening up that doorway for us through Jesus Christ to, um, you know, be reconciled unto him and have our sins forgiven, like that's nothing to be taken for granted. That's probably the biggest blessing that God 
could have gave us, but not to mention the fact that we are in our right mind and the fact that we have our eyesight and the fact that, and even if there are people who are listening who, you know, don't have these, these different things we take for granted, the ability to get up and dress yourself every day, the, the ability to have the use of your limbs and your faculties, all these things I used to hear in church when I was a little kid that didn't make sense. They make sense now. We take for granted that we can get up and put our own clothes on. We take for granted that we can get up and we can feed ourselves because there's someone, a man who has experienced something and they don't, they don't have that ability. And so we need to open up our mindset, open up our, uh, our minds and really our hearts and our spirits to really understand. Um, uh, I mean, there's so many scriptures where, um, I, I mean, so many scriptures that I can think of where God is talking about like, you know, blessings and prosperity. And we automatically assume that it means that we are, we are supposed to have like the quote unquote good life where we are able to acquire and amass things and have stuff when God is saying the blessings and the prosperity is getting into a relationship with me and getting to know me on an intimate level and being able to dig into your word and being able to press into worship amen and being able to um, develop a prayer life and being able to minister to the next person or witness to the next person the things that we associate with the word blessing um, we have to be careful because it's not necessarily what God intended just like when we think of the word curse, amen, we need, we need to really dig into scripture to look at how curses, especially curses that, um, that are upon a generation or upon a a family so that it's spanning generations, what, what that means, where sometimes because of a choice or a decision that someone in your down the line in your family tree made, now you have that struggle, Amen. Where it seems like there's nothing but addicts or in our family, where this is, there's this spirit of addiction, or where this seems like, um, you know, there's this spirit of perversion or this spirit of, um, you know, homosexuality, because some of those things are stemming from the choices and decisions that were made generations ago, well before we were even born. And and the word says that if, and you have to understand that in order for you to be disobedient, you have to know to be obedient. Amen. We look at people who have no knowledge of Christ. We look at people who, um, you know, they're not, they haven't accepted Christ as as the scripture says, the blinders have not been removed from their eyes. This isn't for them. This is for those of us who some way, somehow, some, some way, shape or form, God has touched our heart and has begun to speak to our mind. And we have, um, begin to come into the knowledge of the things that he expect so that now we all can say we know the difference between right and wrong. But when, we, when we're talking spiritual and we're talking about the expectations of God and what it is God is requiring of us, once we start to have an understanding of that, once we start to come into the knowledge of that, now we will know what it looks like to be disobedient. We will now know what it looks like uh, to turn away from that. And so generational curses are coming with this premise that somewhere in your family, someone was disobedient. Amen. Someone knew to do right. As the word says to know to do right and not do it is sin. Someone knew to do right and didn't do it. They disobeyed God. They disobeyed his commands. They did not, um, they were not obedient to his voice. And so what happens is not only are they cursed, And then whoever is living in their generation during the time. But the word says that the curse, the curses will extend upon the descendants, upon the generations. And we don't get to determine now the word, the scripture that I just read said forever. Amen. 
But God is a merciful God. He is a merciful God. He is a forgiving God. And so um, some things that India shared with me in our time speaking before I start recording was that um, she she has people in her in her ancestry that um, that openly denied Christ openly. Um, uh, I think she told me that family members call Christ a bastard because it's, you know, it's looked at as though he didn't have a father, a physical human father. Amen. So he, they called him a bastard. Um, as, as you heard her say, um, did not come from a family of believers, did not come from people who were of the faith. And so she is obviously a testimony, amen, of how God could take this, this, these curses upon, um, her, her, um, you know, her family line. And obviously out of that curse has come a great blessing again, because of the nature of, you know, where India is and just kind of how this is set up and how she's able to talk. Um, you will hear more from her, but I, I wanted to be able to, because I, I want to give her the floor and the space that she has. So, I felt like the best way to approach this is that I do, I kind of do the talking in between um, and just kind of build upon the things she was saying. I mean, she 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 said some things that I feel like I minister a lot. She talked about how the things that she was experiencing was developing a certain mindset in her, which was then manifesting certain behaviors. And I talked about I have talked about and I have ministered, you know, um, this idea of strongholds and how when we um, have this hurt and this pain and this trauma, what happens is we. We start to build walls. Amen. We start to erect walls around our thinking. We start, and, and she was, that's what, how she was ending. She was ending with, um, you know, living this facade and, and kind of spinning this narrative of like, okay, yeah, I'm out here stripping and I'm out here doing whatever, but I'm out here making it do what it do. I'm out here getting what I need. I'm making that money to, to be able to provide for myself because I don't have anyone. I'm out here sleeping on the streets. I'm out here sleeping from uh, pillar to post. But now that I'm able, as you know, she said, the young lady, tell her I was able to take what I had and use it to get what I needed I'm, I'm poking out my chest for that you're not gonna make me feel ashamed of that that's a lie of the enemy now not necessarily ashamed before man because we all fall short of the glory of God but ashamed before God and I there's a um, an episode where I talked about shame and guilt amen and so this condemnation and this guilt before the Lord where Lord if any if, if anyone is to be ashamed uh, if, if I'm supposed to be ashamed before anyone for my actions, it should be you. But at the time in her mind, I'm proud of what I got going on I'm, because despite my struggles, despite my family history, despite what's going on with my mom and my dad, despite, you know, being molested and then, um, you know, essentially being raped, um, despite these things, I was able to still do what I had to do to take care of myself. And so when we talk about strongholds, that's the, that's an example. That's a perfect example of a wrong mindset, a wrong way of thinking. And then Satan is really good at getting us to build up those walls that protect that. So where people are trying to tell you, so maybe someone comes along who is trying to minister to you and tell you that that's, that's not the way you should look at it. Um, you've, you've got these walls erected that are so thick that it's like, nah, like you don't, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've experienced. You you haven't walked in my shoes. And so you really believe the lie. Amen. You really, truly, Satan has deceived you into believing the lie that the life that she was leading and what she had going on while we, while it is probably totally understandable by us all, it doesn't make it right. Just because things we can understand them, just because we can kind of see why a person went down the path they went down, doesn't make it right. 
just like she said, what she had going on with the with the guy, and you know, uh, I can only imagine being starved for attention and not receiving any attention at home. And here, even though she she said out of her mouth that this was not, she knew it wasn't right. It it, it didn't even feel right. But at the same time, it did because it's like somebody is paying me attention. Someone is showing me affect, quote unquote, affection. Amen. And so the enemy takes things and he skews them. He takes things and he he perverts the things. He likes to pervert everything. He, he even likes to take the things of God and pervert the things of God. And so as she's talking about how she has certain um, ways of thinking and certain ways of like how she perceived things and then the, the different behaviors that she was engaging in, in order for us to be able to um, change our mindset get rid of those wrong patterns of thinking, get rid of those wrong mindsets, um, which will then uh, enable us to stop engaging in those wrong behaviors. We have to go, like I said last week. So here is a perfect example of that little girl and her, where all of these things that are happening in her childhood, in order to be able to heal, in order for um, the strongholds to come down, because like the word says, um, um... Um, Jesus, I, I I like my mind is going a mile a minute and I'm trying to think of the scripture, but where we're uprooting and casting down those strongholds, um, in order to do that, we got to go back, um, to the original place of hurt. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses three through five. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So we have to recognize that sometimes our healing, we have to get in a battle for our healing. We have to literally fight for our healing, but the fight doesn't happen in the flesh. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And just, I, I've broke this scripture down in um, you know several episodes where we're talking about casting down arguments. So here is these arguments and these lies that want to convince India that what she has experienced, how life has been for her, it has to stay that way. It has to be that way. Well, if this is what I went through in my childhood, then this is what I can expect in adulthood, that that it don't get better. Amen. But God, but Jesus, but a savior who can come in and he can not only turn your situation completely around, but he's able to deal with all of that mess. Amen. It says casting down those arguments and every high thing. I talked about those things that want to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Once we come into the knowledge of God and how he works and how he moves and his promises, the enemy is looking to take thoughts and situations and people and exalt them above what we come to know about God. He wants us to believe this lie over the knowledge we have about God. The scripture says we got to cast that down. We cast things down when we war in the spirit. That's how we are able to cast things down. It says bringing every thought into captivity. And so the enemy's job, uh, I think it's in Ephesians that talks about the whole armor and and it talks about um, having the, the shield, uh, Lord forgive me, but where we quench the fiery darts of the wicked because the darts that he fires are aiming for our mind. He wants to attack us with a barrage of thoughts that are not of God, that are not godly, that are not God pleasing, and that that also are not um, speaking life, that are not thoughts of peace, that are, um, as it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that um, I know the plans I have for you. And he says, he don't have thoughts to harm us. He don't have thoughts to um, hurt us. He has thoughts to prosper us in the spirit. Amen. He has thoughts to give us this expected end that only he knows because he, he declared the end from the beginning. And so, um, 
um, the enemy comes to fire these darts at our mind to get us to try to think all these crazy thoughts above the knowledge that we have of God. And this tells us that a part of our warfare in the spirit is that we have to bring every thought into captivity. Oh, here comes something negative. Let me snatch that down and give it to the Lord. He, oh, he wants me to think that I'm worthless. Let me snatch that back. The, the enemy's a lie. I'm going I'm to I'm give that to the Lord. Um, and so um, something else that she said, she said that she always felt like she didn't fit in and she always felt like the black sheep. So here's the enemy really taking um, a predestination, amen, and twisting it, wanting you to believe that you don't fit in because there's something wrong with you. They, that everybody else in the family or everybody else in the friend group or everybody else in the, you know, at, at your place of employment, that everybody else is quote unquote regular or normal, or they're, they're with the program. And so there has to be something wrong with you. There has to be something wrong with the way you're doing things that it's gotta be you why you can't seem to fit in when sometimes it's a matter of predestination where like he told Jeremiah, I ordained you before you were even conceived. Some of us have to understand that, like it says in um, Peter, where he says that we are a royal priesthood. Hallelujah. We are a holy um, generation that that he has cho uh, chosen us. God has chosen us to show forth uh, his glory to the world. And a lot of the times, well, all the time, that predestination is on our life even when we don't know it. Even when we're in sin, even when he has not decided that this is the moment to get to know him and to accept him and to um, come into knowledge of him, that predestination is still on your life. It is even when we find ourselves battling back and forth between because I know that when I got when I first got saved, I would I didn't like stay saved and was, you know, on fire for the Lord and, you know, doing what I'm doing now. I, I struggled. I went back and forth. I, you know, I was, you know, all saved and everything was great. And then the next thing you know, I was, you know, falling back into some of my old ways and my whole old habits, surrounding myself with some of the old friends that, you know, that's who I was hanging with or who I was around when I was doing the things that I was doing before I truly made my mind up that the predestination that was on my life before I was conceived in my mother womb, mother's womb that has me doing what I'm doing right now still was on my life when I was having those struggles. And the enemy comes to speak the lies to our mind that, um, that something's wrong with you. <laughs> something's wrong with you. You, you're never going to be able to get it right. So why even bother? Here you got a you have a woman who has went through so much before she even hits. I think when you are in, so my daughter is fourteen. You're a freshman in high school when you you know thirteen, fourteen, maybe fifteen years old. So before she's even a teenager, amen. She has all of these different traumatic experiences that have taken place, but yet, but God. The predestination that was on her life, that feeling of being a black sheep, that feeling of being um, someone who didn't fit in, it was because she had already been called out. Amen. She had already been chosen. And so that's why um, she may have always felt like she didn't fit in. And, and so then um, I don't want to tell her testimony because it's her testimony to give. But as she continued on in her years and different things happen and obviously different choices were made that obviously has her sitting where she's seated. She obviously somewhere came into the knowledge of the father and was able to come into a relationship with him. Amen. Um, and I can't wait for you to hear the rest. So happy to have you back. So, um, as I told you, I, um, I continued to talk while I waited and I just basically, okay. 
Um, you know, like I had told you, normally this would kind of be like a conversational piece where you, I would kind of interject through your testimony the things that God was laying on my heart. So what I did is I just okay. took notes and while, and while okay. we waited for you, I, I basically just, you know, I just talked about my notes. And so what the okay. last thing that I had said was, and I, this is something I want you to hear because I don't know if you've ever looked at it this way or even if uh-huh. anyone has ever said this to you, but you, you talked about how you always felt like in your family, you didn't fit in. Like you were like the black sheep were the words that you used. And what I just got finished saying was the predestination of God that was on your life was on your life. Even when you didn't know it, because like he told Jeremiah, I, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And so um, the predestination that God had over your life existed even when you were going through the things in your home with your mother, even once you were in the situation with your grandmother, even when you ran away, even when you were stripping, even when you were molested, even when you were, the, the predestination was still there. You still, you had been called out even though you didn't know it. So the enemy's job is to make us feel like everybody else is the normal ones and there's something wrong with us. And I said, Absolutely. even in, if it's not, you know, your family, he can make you feel that way on your job. He can make you feel that way. Even in a group of friends, he can make you feel like you're the eyeball. What's wrong with you? And, and they're the ones that are, you know, quote unquote normal. When in all reality, it's because there's something special on your life from God. And so you'll never Absolutely. fit in. So I, I wanted to, um, <laughs> no, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I feel like I was dragging it on and on and on. So I really want to get to me coming to prison because that's where everything really started happening. Okay. Go ahead. Go right. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm listening. <laughs> so I had just really, like I had, uh, after all of those things, um, I just became very promiscuous. My life consisted of men, money, partying, just, I was a train wreck. And um, I ended up committing a crime to come here because I had so much anger built up on the inside of me. I was just so tired of being taken advantage of by people that I made a promise to myself that I would never, ever give my heart to a man. And that if somebody's for a little bit to me, I'm a whole lot to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when I ended up catching this crime to come, committing this crime to come here, the guy, he ended up selling me a car and stole it back from me. And I ended up shooting him. Jesus. And it was just the sum total of everything that I had been through got taken out of him. Yes. And I ended up coming to prison, and I can remember the day that I got sentenced. I got sentenced to 25 to 40 years. Jesus. And, um, oh, rewind, rewind, go, rewind some. So I ended up getting arrested for the crime, and I go to Macomb County Jail, and I had never had the gospel preached to me. I had only Jesus. been inside of a church in my adult life one time and that was to go to my best friend's father's funeral Mm -hmm. never had the gospel preached to me and i had went to church when i was a little girl with my uncle but i never had the gospel preached to me and i never had the invitation to accept jesus as my personal lord and savior so i go get arrested at macomb county jail and i remember walking into the cell and i was a mess and i was Mm -hmm. just all over the place and the lady that i walked in the cell with i'm like i get this case i'm afraid i shot somebody she was like you get on your knees and you ask god to forgive you right now and Mm -hmm. i was just like frantic because i mean we i'm in trouble and you know how it is when you're in trouble and i mean i try anything to get out this trouble so i got down on my knees and i asked god to forgive me and immediately i went to court 
and ended up coming back. Mm-hmm. And um, they would have church services, and it was a guy. He had this church service there. He looked like the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. He had this long, stringy hair. He had on the um, the priest neck thing, and mm-hmm. he had on a mm-hmm. black long overcoat or whatever. And he got up and he was like, you know, gave his testimony. His family, he was adopted in the system. His birth parents was alcoholics and drug addicts that mm-hmm. left him abandoned. And he ended up um, becoming a hitman. And he got into the hands of the wrong people, and they raised him to be like this out-cold killer. And he ended up killing somebody and going to prison. Mm-hmm. And Jeez. the gospel was preached to him. And he told God, God, if you give me out of this, I promise I will serve you. And he said, I yes, present sir. this same gospel to you all. He said, I'm not, I don't know if God will get you out of here. He was like, but this is what works for me. And I was desperate, so I went to the front, and I accepted Jesus into my heart for the very first time and I know something happened because I remember leaving out of that service with just this hunger on the inside of me and I had one of those little New Testament Gideon Bibles Mm -hmm. a little brown one and Mm -hmm. I remember the four in the scriptures from Matthew Mark Luke and John and seeing in God's word the scriptures just began to unfold to me and Jesus become this real person yes and I remember we would have a prayer circle every night and everybody would pray and we would each hold hands and take turns praying. And mm-hmm. um, I would pray every night, God, get me out of here. God, get me out of here. But at the same time, God showed me like the assignment and yes. the mantle of prayer on my life. Because every time I would pray for somebody, they would leave. Mm-hmm. Literally, a girl and I were on our knees praying in our cell. Before we could say amen, they called over the loudspeaker and told her to pack up. Her family was finding her out. And her family had this on her. Wow. So God mm. was showing me that. Okay, there's something going on here. Right. Like this prayer thing really works. This right. God thing is for real. Right. I had never had the gospel preached to me. Mind you, I come from an atheist basic family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God became real to me at Macomb County Jail. Jesus. And I remember it was time for me to go to court, and they told me, You don't have a warrant because my case was in Wayne County, and they said, If Wayne County don't come and get you, you got an old probation case. If they don't come and get you, we gonna let you go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Are you serious? I'm like, I got two to ten murder charges. How can this be? Right. They was like, Well, it's not showing up. God was true to his word. I ended up going back to Wayne County for the probation violation, and I was released. Jesus. May God, all of these promises, if you get me out, you get me out. I promise I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. So right. I ended up getting out, and it was a miracle. Everybody wrote me off. I had a boyfriend. He was living in my house. He got me evicted out of my house. He sold all my furniture, TV, Jesus. refrigerator, everything. I was just devastated. Mm-hmm. Got out to nothing. Ended up moving into an apartment. Got restored everything. Mm-hmm. I ended up moving into an apartment. Didn't have to pay a dime to move in. Jesus. Rent was paid. Just blessing on top of blessing right. for me. And right. I still had residue of darkness and I can remember being in my apartment and I was just so bored and I got down on my face and the Holy Spirit I felt the presence of God come in my apartment Mm -hmm. and I fell face down on my face and I just worshipped him but I still had one foot in and one foot out because me and my friends one night ended up robbing this girl just for fun Mm -hmm. and the next morning the police came and knocked on my door and rearrested me and I've been locked up ever since that day so I go to Wayne County Jail, and I'm facing these charges again, the two or ten murder charges. It comes up. I'm like, what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. you know what you did. So I remember um, just getting back into God again. Right. And so I remember getting sentenced, and I got sentenced 25 to 40 years, which floored everybody because 
25 years is like the charges for a murder charge and mm -hmm. I don't have a murder charge and everybody was just couldn't understand like you know right. why did you get such a harsh sentence like right. my lawyer was even floored because we was thinking that the most I would get would be like 15 years right so I remember after I got sentenced going back into that holding cell I got down on my knees and I said God how did you do this to me Mm -hmm. And God showed me in the spirit the book of Daniel. I had Jesus. never read the book of Daniel before, but he Jesus. showed me in the spirit the, the lion's den. Mm -hmm. And he showed me that I was going to the lion's den, and he told me in an audible voice, I heard God speak to me in that cell. He said, go be about my business. Jesus. And I got up, and I was just dumbfounded. But the tears had stopped. I had stopped crying. And it was just like, okay, you know how when you, you know you heard from God right. on the inside, <laughs> but the outside is like, okay, like, right. you feel a little shaky, but yes. you got that inward strength because yes. you know you yes. heard from God. Yes. And so I, I had this word from God, go be about my business. And I put it in the back file cabinet of my mind and Jesus. I go to the prison. And I remember the first five, probably four or five years that I got to prison, I was buck wild. I got involved with messing around women with women mm -hmm. i had started taking people's prescription medication like i remember it was just an accumulation of darkness and the enemy was just whooping me yes, up and down yes. <laughs> i mean Jesus. i was in so much bondage i was in more bondage when i got to prison than what i had came with on the street it makes me think so, of um I, I i'm sorry to cut you off but it makes me it, it, okay a scripture that i've been and i feel like in every episode i talk about um satan is looking to sift you as wheat and jesus said Absolutely. i prayed for you that when you are converted so basically he gonna he gonna do some shaking and some ravaging and you probably gonna do some Absolutely. things you never thought you're gonna do but you are going to repent and be converted and when you do you, you'll be and able to strengthen the brother yes 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 and Ooh, i remember Lord. just being so like literally i not walk out of my cell without getting a write-up and I had so much time confined to my cell that I had got so depressed I wanted to commit suicide Jeez. and it was like two o'clock in the afternoon and I was laying on on the bunk and I had to so rewind this up a little bit I remember I would get high I would take pills I would buy people's prescription because I was so just depressed like I got mm -hmm. 25 years in prison I'm 22 years old Jesus. like how like what Right. I got mad at God all over again, and mm -hmm. I just had got to that place just where I was questioning God, like, why would you do this? And if you a good guy, right. how can this happen? Right. And this, this, that. Right. And I just was, like, angry because I had a lot of questions that I didn't have answers to. I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. right. I didn't understand this thing called life because I felt like, Lord, I didn't ask to be born. Right, why? right, right. And so... Um, I remember, you know, getting in trouble a lot and I mm -hmm. couldn't leave out my room. I probably got confined to my room for like a month. Mm -hmm. And I remember being just so hungry and so thirsty for some answers that I just, I asked this lady, I said, please come and stand in front of my room door and read the Bible to me. That's Jesus. how hungry for some answers I was. And mm -hmm. I remember I left out of my cell and I went to church. I wasn't supposed to leave out the room. I didn't mm -hmm. have permission to go. And I took a chance and I went to church that night and it was a church there. Um, International Gospel Center, mm -hmm. and it was a lady. Her name is Mother Hawthorne. She's gone on to be with the Lord now, Jesus. but she was there, and she gave her testimony, and she was like, you know, she got saved when she was 27 years old, and I'm mm -hmm. looking at my friend. I'm like, well, I'm 27. She like, she remembered the day she got saved. She was sitting on the bar stool, and she was singing in the choir and doing all these things and drinking mm -hmm. and smoking, and mm -hmm. the Spirit of God arrested her and was like, if I came back right now, what would you do? Right. And she was like, it sobered her up. 
Jesus. And after that day, she was like, she never was the same again. Mm-hmm. And she was like, look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor after today, you ain't going to never be the same again. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my friend and I was like, after tonight, I ain't going to never be the same again. And she looking at me like, girl, I don't got time for this. I'm about to go. I'm <laughs> right. like, well, I'm staying because right. I need something from God tonight. Yes, and she's looking at yes, me like, and I didn't yes. even know that this was the spirit of the Holy Spirit moving on me. It was just weird because these are not things that I would have probably done on my own. Right, and I remember absolutely. them having an altar call and they called the people down to the altar and they was like, you know, put your hands up. And I'm looking like, you know, I'm too cute to be lifting my hands up and mm-hmm. I ain't doing all of that. And he like, you know, lift your hands up or whatever. And the Spirit of God was just on me. So I did and I lifted up my hands and I can remember this lady. She was so anointed that every time she would walk past me the power of God was so strong on her that I just would fall I could feel the power of God just touching me and when she would move I would stop she would come back past me again the power of God it just had me all shook up and when she leave it would stop so I went up to the line and she was like lift your hands up and I lifted my hands up and the man was standing behind me and she was bending and loosening things or whatever and literally demon possessed because I felt the demonic spirit beat my body. I Amen. fell down to the ground and I was literally rolling like a stop, drop, and roll situation. Mm-hmm. I was rolling around on the ground and I heard Jesus tell me, come to me. And I Jesus. heard the demons let me, let me go. And God, Jesus, I let go and come to me. Jesus. And I remember just letting go. And it was like a baby. Ooh, and I asked the Lord, when I got back to my room, I cried. I cried all the way back to Ooh. my unit. I mean, like, it wasn't a sob. It was like a a whale it was a whale and i lay there in the bed and i felt the holy spirit come into my spirit from the top of my head to the soles of my feet it was so tangible and so dynamic that when i woke up the next morning i felt like i didn't even know where i was at and i didn't believe that it was real i have been smoking cigarettes you have one minute remaining and the whole day had went by without me smoking a cigarette. And I was like, this cannot be real. And I grabbed the cigarette and I went to put it in my mouth. And the Holy Spirit rose up on the inside of me and just started quoting scriptures. And I have not smoked a cigarette since then. Amen. Amen. God delivered me instantly on the spot from so many things. Amen. Well, I don't know if this is your last round or not. Um, Did it tell you how much money was on it the said, phone? It said five something. Five dollars and okay, something. Okay, so I can call again. Okay, okay, when you call, we'll wrap it up. Okay, okay. All righty, all right. I'm all over the place, am I? No, ma'am, you are not. Okay. All righty. Okay. So we'll use this last 15 to kind of wrap things up. Um, okay. I mean, this has been amazing. I've, I've been in tears um, probably, I don't know, two or three times through your <laughs> your okay, testimony. Wow. Um, I mean, God is just amazing, and it and I... I mean, he's done some amazing things in your life uh, just from, I mean, you know, 45 minutes is not a lot of time and just all that you've given. um, My God, I mean, you are definitely a walking, living testimony. Absolutely. And that's what I just wanted to conclude with. And just, you know, after having that experience with God, I'm so grateful for it because he became so real to me and I knew everything was different the next day when I woke up and he just was so real to me like literally he was became more real to me than the cellmate sitting in the bunk above me and I just can remember just it was just like I had trans 
ported, you know, on the tales from the dark yes. side commercial where it's just like dark on one side and light yes. on the other. Yes. And I can just remember just knowing like like I, my soul and my spirit had been awakened. Jesus. And just the process that he had take he has taken me on and you know, it's been thirteen in November it'll be thirteen years that Jesus. I have had this relationship with him. Yes. And I remember once I became born again, he began to give me answers to all of those questions yes. that I had. And Ooh, Jesus, he began to walk me through the different stages of my life. Yes. And um he showed me that um he had to take me to a place of confinement so that I can know him. Yes. And told me he had to bring me back here because I didn't have any power at the time when I first got born again and I got out and I yes. he was like you didn't have any power yes. and I had to bring you here so that you can get to know me because if I would have left you out there the enemy would have killed you Absolutely. because like you said in Jeremiah he knew before I was formed in my mother's womb yes just as well as God had the assignment the enemy knew yes absolutely the enemy can pick up yes. signs in the spirit yes. he knows yes and a lot, so much of my life I feel like Joseph yeah, you know, Ooh, child. <laughs> and it's yes. so amazing how yes. the very things that I had so much shame and so much guilt about the loudest testimony <laughs> weapon. And then I feel like David because the very things that I have went through yes. have been a stone and a sling to bash the enemy's yes. head. Yes, yes. Had I not been through all of the things that I went through, Jesus. I wouldn't have anything to give anybody else for the glory of God. Yes, amen. And since I have been the Lord has used me to minister to countless women Amen. and I thank him for just the grace that he's given me to be able to walk uprightly in such a way where people have looked at my life and seen the transformation Amen. and see God as authentic and as real see it's a thing in prison it's a culture where it's a fake Christian culture yes. and I would look at other people and I'd be like Ugh, I would never be like that I would never be like that and I told God Lord, I'm going to do this with you, and I'm going to do it with integrity, and I'm going to yes. serve Amen. and walk up rightly with everything in me because I don't want to ever be of life that lives in dishonor of God or my life to yes. look at bring a reproach to, to his name. That God is not real. Yes, bring a reproach to and his so name. That yes, has always <laughs> been like the fuel in my fire to yes. just know just to stay close to him and here and i just didn't want him to be the god to get me out of prison right because if i right. get out and i don't have you yes. i already know that oh the death lord yes. i need you yes yes and he would just he just began to give me answers and i remember um my childhood it was just so much darkness so much shame and it just it, it wore me down yes. like literally i never ever thought that i would be worthy enough to you know, be in a healthy relationship with a man, like who will want me after everything that I've been through? Right. And, you know, God delivered me from all of that. And, yes. you know, my identity wasn't child, prostitute, or sex yes. industry. Yes. That's not my yes. identity. Yes, amen. You know, he allowed me to find out who I am in him. And I know that I have a father in heaven, and I always wanted to be a daddy's girl. Yes. And my father <laughs> smoked crack in front of me when I was 12 years old. And I could just Jesus. remember just a hatred. It just... Yes. I'm like, who can do that to their child? And right. I remember God saying, he took me to Psalm, I want to say 45. He said, forget your father's house. Yes. For worship me because you're, you are a daughter of the king. Yes. Worship him because he is your God. Yes. And when I read that in scripture, I just was blown away. And I'm like, oh my God, like God, you knew I needed that because yes. my father was one of the first people to ever break my heart. One of the first yes. men to ever break my heart. Yes. And I really believe that God, 
Got him out the way so he can have me on to himself. Absolutely. Just like the joke that I Absolutely. Absolutely. And, the, um, and I remember um, one of the workshops, one of the girls, she, I, we was in a circle and I was like, you know, when you look at TV or who do you want to be like when you grow up? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, about it, you know, because these girls are like from 11 to 17 years old, very mm-hmm. impressionable, yes. you know, and um, one of the, the little girls, she looked at me and she said, I want to be like you. Wow. And I didn't know how to feel about that. So I was like, no, you don't want to be like me. I'm a prisoner. Like, no. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't encourage right. it. But I went back, and I just was so overcome with emotion. And I was just like, God, thank you. Right. Thank right. you. Like, this little girl sees something in me. Yes, that yes. That wants to aspire to. And it wasn't, it was the glory of God. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of, absolutely. And, and, you know, and it just, like, brought my life full circle. And, you know, like what I initially yes. said, you know, people think, you know, if I have so much money yes. and I have yes. all these accomplishments, you know, at the end of the day, it's fine. It's good. Right. You know, you know we need to have purpose and things to look forward to. But right. at the end of the day, having a close relationship with God when the world is on my shoulder yes. and the walls are closing yes. in on me and I can drop Jesus. down on my knees and I can call on my father yes. and I know he hears me, he answers yes. me, and he comforts me. And he forgives me, and he consoles me, and he counsels me, and he gives me wisdom, and he takes me through situations where I know that the only way I got through that is because God is on my side. Yes, absolutely. Nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I sit here in this prison after 18 years, sentenced to 25, all of my 20s, all of my 30s. Right. I just turned 40 this year, and it was kind of difficult and kind of hard because, you know, you feel like, okay, 40 is a monumental age. You want right, to accomplish right. all these things. But I have God. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I have been able to lead family members to the Lord. Thank I have you, Jesus. been able to minister to my son. I mean, I just, I'm very blessed. And I can say that with full-fledged confidence. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm blessed because of his presence in my life. Amen. I mean, of course, there's so much I could say, but I, I'm not in the interest of time because I would like to pray. Um, I, I mean, okay. I, I have I have to uh, have a conversation with you um, after this. <laughs> I can't, it can't okay. end like that. This for me, per, you know, just personally, you know, between you and I. But I, I wanted okay. to make sure that I had time to pray while you're still on the phone. I'm just going to okay. uh, I'm, I'm not even going to comment on anything else that you said. I'm just going to say thank you. Um, okay. um, I, I really didn't. 
I, I didn't necessarily believe I needed anything to solidify the realness of God for me because I know without a shadow of a doubt that he's real. But you, you gave me even more of an assurance that God is real and that his his promises are exactly what the word says. Yay and amen. And we can truly um, take stock in him and have confidence in him. And when you when you talked about how, like, I mean, you've endured so much and the fact that you, you know, of course, our fleshly part would would like to not have it a part of our story, but our, like you said, our spirit man already know what it is. It just takes me to Absolutely. the scripture that he, whenever I'm going through stuff and I'm just looking like, oh Lord, something else or why this? He always takes me to Timothy, enduring hardness as a good soldier for the sake of Absolutely. the elect. Everything Absolutely. we go through when we have um, spiritual purpose is for the sake of those that are to come, the sake of those that need to Absolutely. know him, the sake of those that need to be strengthened. And so I give you he that same. He always needs a sacrifice. Absolutely. And that's what he showed me. Somebody Absolutely. has to get on the on yes. Fire. Yes. And, and, and we have to, and we have to do it willingly because Jesus did. Jesus willingly went to the cross. Thing, I wanted to, I'm so sorry to cut you off. No, you're I really good. I wanted to comment on this one thing that you said. Our sacrifices, our obedience always affects other people. Absolutely. And the Lord showed me how my obedience to him was setting things up for not only me, but for my children and Absolutely. my children's children. Yes. Because my ancestors' yes, disobedience put me in the position that yes, I'm in. Because I used to be like, only thing I ever did wrong was being born. I didn't ask for none of this. And it's just so crazy how I can remember the enemy just driving me. Yes. I felt like I couldn't stop certain yes. things even if I wanted to. Yes. And I really believe that was just the um the generate the those you know, generational the, the curses consequences mm-hmm. of the generational absolutely curses. and I remember the Lord telling me you are the cause of generational blessing absolutely absolutely the choices and decisions we make to be obedient sets absolutely. up not just ourselves but our posterity never fights us for where we are this is one thing that I have learned about that de- that devil mm-hmm. he never fights us for where we are it's where we he going. always fights us for where we going Amen. and the battle that you're going through can be the prediction of what's in front of you absolutely amen and i just gauge the the activity of the enemy presence because he only shows up to kill, steal, and destroy Absolutely. something. He's not coming for no junk and no mess. No. If the enemy is irritating you, trust and believe you got something There's, in front of absolutely. you that he's trying to steal and absolutely. kill from you. Yep. He wants to make sure that you don't that you don't get to see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, God. Yeah. I'm going to pray. Uh, I thank okay. you so much. I thank God you for you. Um, God for <laughs> the, I mean, this has been oh amazing. And I thank God for, um, I even thank God for, you know, kind of the vessel that put the two of us together. Thank God for Shamika. And I'm just, um, absolutely. Uh, so awesome. So awesome. She is so amazing. Absolutely. She, oh, oh my God. She, oh my God. She is just like, I don't even have the words to describe her. Like, I, one one day I'll have is. to share how we, I mean, I guess we kind of stumbled upon a relationship with one another. I mean, we went to high school together, but I was a freshman. She was a senior. We never hung out. We never, nothing. And then this friendship developed over Facebook, and now we are partnering together in in <laughs> different ventures. And when God has a plan and a purpose, nothing can Absolutely. stop it. Nothing can stop Absolutely. it. Not even a jail cell. Nothing really can stop it. In contact with you. Absolutely. I will make sure because um, um, I, I, I want the same. I, I, I mean, so many things are on my heart after this, you know, this episode. So definitely I'm going to, um, you know, get with Shamika so she can relay some things to you. And that way we can okay. form a connection where, we, where we'll be able to talk. I have an email service. So if you want to, she can give you my email information and we can kind of email back and forth. That'll work. 
That will work. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just, we thank you. We magnify you, Lord God. Uh, You are awesome. You are amazing. You are just great and greatly to be praised. We thank you for your perfect and your divine will. We thank you in the name of Jesus that even before we are formed, you ordain us, you call us, you've chosen us, oh God. We thank you that you saw fit to call us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Father God, I thank you for this mighty woman of God, this mighty vessel. Lord God, I ask that you will continue to let your glory and your spirit and your favor rest upon my dear sister India in the name of Jesus. Continue to keep the hedge of protection around her, oh God. And we ask that in your timing, in your divine will, that you see fit, Father God, for her to bring the ministry that you place inside of her on the outside in the name of Jesus. When your purpose has been accomplished on the inside, that you will work a miracle in a way that all will see it, Father God. All will know that it was you, including her, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Part the Red Sea on her behalf, Father God. Allow her to walk through on dry land in the name of Jesus. We ask, Father God, that you will touch each and every woman everywhere all you over the world that is locked up in the prison remaining. system, oh God, in the name of Jesus. We ask that anyone who doesn't know you, that you will bring a light, you will bring a vessel that will uh, preach and teach the gospel, that will witness and minister the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise. These things and all things in the name of Jesus, we ask amen and amen. You be blessed. Thank you. I receive all of that. Continue thank to be so blessed for allowing me this amazing opportunity. No, so no, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you. So and to thank all of our listeners. So oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, he sent you to confirm so many things that I, you, you didn't even know that I have talked and I've ministered. So I thank oh, you. Wow. And to all of our listeners until next time, be blessed.